Think about all the ways you can help improve your community. There are the obvious answers like volunteering time or donating money. However, social justice work in 2019 requires a deeper understanding of ourselves and of our work. Diet is often viewed as a personal or environmental choice, but what we eat, whether we know it or not, connects us to larger systems and communities. And when we begin considering how our food choices affect others beyond ourselves, there's a real chance to address problems and make improvements to our communities. This is The Nonprofit Experience, a podcast that presents candid conversations about the human experience of nonprofit work, and I'm your host, Sandy Sear. Jean Bauer and Tracy McWhorter each have multiple decades of personal experience participating in and guiding the vegan movement. Jean wrote, Living the Farm Sanctuary Life, The Ultimate Guide to Eating Mindfully, Living Longer, and Feeling Better Every Day, and is the co-founder and president of Farm Sanctuary. Tracy is the author of Agents Vegan, The Secret to Living a Long and Healthy Plant-Based Life, and of By Any Greens Necessary. Tracy works as a public health nutritionist and activist, helping specifically Black communities through veganism. In this conversation, you'll hear Tracy and Jean explain the different approaches they've collectively tried or are currently trying to contextualize veganism within conversations like the civil rights movement, for example. But first off, Tracy talks about a recent collaboration with Jean, the African-American Vegan Starter Guide. I have been vegan for 32 years, and I have been teaching folks in a variety of ways how to go vegan and why to go vegan for about uh, 30 of those years. And that's sort of where a lot of our work intersects, right? right? The idea of promoting plant-based living, vegan living, and I've known of your work for, for decades. Same here. Um, yeah, yeah. Your book, By Any Greens Necessary. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's wonderful to do this work with you. And we recently partnered on the African American Vegan Starter Guide, mm-hmm. which you, you put together basically with some amazing contributions. And Right, right. So, um, and Jean, I've known about your work for a very long time and um, Farm Sanctuary's work. You're an author as well. We both um, do this work in a lot of ways. Right. And um, we came together, I guess it was now four years ago. Um, I mean, we've we've done things, you know, we've been on um, in a film together, I think, done some panels and and things like that. So we've known each other um, in person as well. And we came together to talk about how Farm Sanctuary could reach out more, uh, expand its work to communities of color. And uh, one of the ideas was the African-American Vegan Starter Guide, which I and some uh, peers of mine have been thinking about for years, um, wanting to do something like that because it, it didn't exist and it was needed. So, um, And I learned a lot through that process, right? <laughs> Just sort of the history yeah. of, of awareness and work in this arena in broader communities, right? Because yeah. I sort of grew up and have done this work in the animal rights vegan world, mm-hmm. you know, which has not really been as connected as it could be, uh, or aware as it could be, could be, of broader movements that are aligned towards right. healthy living. And um, and I love you know like Dick Gregory and how he yeah. you know was talking about this stuff in the sixties. Uh, Dick Gregory passed recently, and uh, so it's interesting um, because he became vegan in 1965 as the result of the practice of nonviolence during the civil rights movement, as you know. And uh, he extended that to animals. I mean, he, he started with animals and extended that to health. 
uh, for people. So the connection with the civil rights movement, nonviolence and animals and compassion was foundational for him, you know, and he talks about that. Uh, he talked about that then, and and so for me, that was really profound because he made the connections very early on. Animals, people, um, social justice, the environment, all of these things were already connected. And so when he came to my college, Amherst College, in 1986, um, he talked about vegetarianism, veganism, in, in all of these ways, and so that's what really appealed to me about it. So it was always, for me, because of that, linked. These things were always connected, and so it was circular. I was in it for animal rights reasons, for health reasons, um, for uh, the environment, so for spiritual reasons, so it was always just kind of a flow, you know, and sometimes health, sometimes animal uh, rights was my focus and then you know sometimes health was my focus and then when I ended up getting a master's in public health nutrition health became my focus but animal rights and the environment were always there I, I love how it's all connected you know <laughs> it's all connected and you know to yeah. me it's really about respect and kindness and empathy mm -hmm. right towards others whether they're other people other animals the earth right you know and kindness also to ourselves I think sometimes in the animal rights movement there is sometimes, uh, understandably, an anger with how human beings treat other creatures. Mm -hmm. And there is even sometimes in the animal movement a, you know, real mi misanthropy, mm -hmm. right? Because of what our species does to others. And I think also we can, as, as animal rights people, sometimes just not recognize that um, in our world, you know, most of us grow up with bad habits mm -hmm. when it comes to how we treat other animals and even other people and the earth and it's a matter of learning and trying to figure out how to touch people and inspire people ultimately to live compassionately to others and ultimately to themselves you know right. I, I mean i really think that um cruelty to other animals causes us to lose part of our empathy and that's such an important part of our humanity and um, and that's where this work is so, I think, interesting and expanding mm -hmm. in terms of how do we not cause unnecessary harm to others. Right. And what are the systems that we participate in, sometimes unconsciously, that are contributing to enormous harm. And I think, you know, most of us grow up eating meat without thinking about it, without mm -hmm. thinking about all the aspects and the connected mm -hmm. harms and this is where, you know, I feel we're at a time now where there's more interest in exploring these issues in a very deep way, mm -hmm. you know, and um, Absolutely. So, so I feel and like there, Yeah, and in scholarly ways, there are lots of ways that, you know, there's, there's so many ways that people are talking about animal rights, compassion to animals. There is, you know, um, there are fields that are um, now available to study. Right in college and on um, PhD level, there's animal law, um, which is a real you know um, important field. So there, so absolutely, there's a there's an expanded way that it's being looked at. And um, I wanted to say also, and just in, in hearing you talk about that, um, so for me, I had for animal rights. I had that introduction, that kind of explanation with Dick Gregory, right? Civil rights movement um, and uh, compassion, nonviolence. 
and also um, for me, it was it, there's there's also there was also this visceral reaction that I had to it because of chattel enslavement, right? So um, um, African Americans were treated by the state as animals, right? So there's this you know there's this cultural visceral reaction that Black folks have when talking about um, this conversation about animals and animal rights that can't be, that's always felt, that can't be avoided, that's talked, you know, that has to be considered, right? And so um, it's a very, it's a, it's a very interesting conversation because I come at it from that angle. I also come at it from a, you know, from this compassion angle. And there's yeah. context and generational yeah. kinds of things passed down yeah. historically and right. patterns. With factory farming, we talk about the commodification of sentient life, mm -hmm. but that goes—that's a historic human problem, right? <laughs> where exactly. there's been this just complete, um, completely disrespectful and abusive kinds of relationships we have created historically as human beings mm -hmm. with others. And I think this is, you know, perhaps a time to start really coming to terms with that. Right. You know, and, and I knew I know I grew up I'm a white man, right? And I grew up with a lot of being encouraged to become an engineer. Right. right? right. And to, you know, get a job and, you know, go to school and all this kind of stuff. Actually going to the military too, which I didn't really want to do. But oh, I didn't know that. Oh okay. yeah, my folks very conservative and very mm -hmm. much about America. And America has beautiful ideals, but also has conducted itself in ways that are very inconsistent with its ideals. And so for me... From the beginning. From, yeah, the, beginning, from the beginning. Yeah, if you look sure. at our first, like, five presidents, like, four of them... Right. You know, twelve of the... I think ten of the, ten of the first twelve were enslavers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's very telling. Yeah. And then you see the words that Jefferson wrote. Right. And then contrast that with his behavior. Right, right. And so from the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, this country has, you know, had ideals, but then has not lived up to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that in some ways we're at a time now of really trying to figure out what does it look like. Right. And I and, and so that's exactly right. You know, the New York Times just came out with this 1619 project, um, which is phenomenal. And one of the things that they one of the articles in the series is about sugar. Right. And it's talking about sugar as a crop um, um, harvested, you know, during enslavement. Um, and the wealth created based on that. And it and the article brings it up to health in African-American communities in particular. It's talking about the obesity epidemic uh, in general in this country, but particularly, you know, focusing on black folks and the level of diabetes and amputations. Um, so you could, there's this line, you know, there's a central thread that you can trace, right? The 1619 Project, yeah. what does that mean? And it's really looking at history and looking at narratives that we have grown up with mm -hmm. and critically evaluating them, mm -hmm. you know, which I know I'm trying to do more. Right. And I think it's really important for us as a nation and as a society to really come to terms with, you know, our history and the current 
you know, way of life be, that is very much based on the history. Exactly. And so what I, in doing the, the African American Vegan Starter Guide, it was really important for me to include that history, right? To talk about the history of black folks and veganism, plant-based food, and to come from a perspective of centrality and abundance, not, you know, perceived lack and deficiency, which we talked about, and I appreciate it that you got right yeah, away. I was, I was open-minded. <laughs> yeah. You had some really important points for me to hear, yeah. Yeah, and so, um, and so I think, you know, just having this, you know, this is this is a natural way for me to approach it because I don't approach myself as a marginalized person. I approach myself as as, as central to my own life, right? Um, so that's the way I approach veganism. That's the way I was taught it. And so for me, um, being able to partner with you in Farm Sanctuary and having this, you know, being open to having this kind of conversation about, you know, making Black folks the and this guy, you know, the, the perspective being central and abundant was really important. And I think that that's, that's part of the reason why it's been so successful and so popular, right? People, because, oh man, we get such great feedback. <laughs> yeah. People are loving it. And I'm grateful. I think, you know, and I think that that's, people see themselves in a way that's um, joyful and positive and aspirational. And it's in, it's in, you know, it's inspirational as well. So it's not like we're talking about a problem. We're talking about a solution. You know, we, and we also, I'm very happy to say at Farm Sanctuary, have started a, a social justice program. Yeah, you told me. You know, yeah, it, it was Kamika Brown is going to be heading that up. And uh -huh. so it's very new, but I'm very excited about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the African American Vegan Starter Guide was sort of part partly led to that mm -hmm. just because it was clear that there was such resonance yeah. and it, 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 it struck such a chord with so many people. And, you know, we're learning more also about, you know, things like inclus inclusion mm -hmm. <laughs> and what does that look like and diversity. And so it's for Farm Sanctuary, you know, working with you and sort of broadening our perspective has been, I think, very healthy. And I think a lot about ways to continue exploring opportunities where one and one equals more than two, mm -hmm. right? Where we can figure out how to ultimately create a healthier, more compassionate world for all who dwell therein. Exactly. <laughs> and what does that look like, right? So it's, right. And, and, and when you look at our history in the factory farming arena, you know, animals are horribly abused, but also so are people who are often people of color who may not have, may not, you know, who end up working in slaughterhouses. Right. And that's horrible. Right. And then you have communities like in North Carolina. Exactly. Right. Uh, you know, communities of color near these factory farms where literally animal waste is being spewed on their property. Mm -hmm. And so these are patterns of abuse mm -hmm. that I think it's very important for us to look at and try to address and then try to figure out how do we come out on the other side of it, mm -hmm. recognizing the harm, mm -hmm. you know, being accountable for the harm and figuring out what next, how do we create a healthy world? And in our food space, there is so much harm, you know, as you were saying before, sugar you know, has a long history mm -hmm. of harm for health reasons, but also environmental reasons, workers, 
probably land appropriation issues around it too. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a there's a lot to it. It's really um, it's really layered work, which is actually why I love it um, because. I'm sure you agree, we're able to just work on so many issues through the lens of veganism, right? And affect change in ourselves, other people, the world, just by promoting veganism. It's really a beautiful thing. People see it as deprivation, <laughs> right? And it's not. I don't, I mean, it's, it's abundant. It's joyful for me. Um, I completely agree. It's about yeah. living in alignment with our values and our interests, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, living in a way that we can feel good about instead of causing unnecessary harm to others. Right. And eating food that is nourishing instead of food that makes us sick, instead of supporting a food system that is causing such enormous harm to other animals and people in the earth. And so to me, I agree completely that, you know, veganism is sort of this lens or this this way of being mm -hmm. that does not cause unnecessary harm to others. And it is still a work in progress. Right. Right. The vegan movement is not a perfect place. No, not at all. <laughs> no place is. I mean, you know, we're, we're a product of our environment, and, you know, and this movement is, is a product of that. So they're, yeah. Before I did veganism, I, um, I was in the nonprofit world, um, and I know, and I've kind of kept up with it, and I know that partnership is really important, especially now with, with you know, there just not being as much funding um, as there has been. Partnering with other organizations, with individuals is so important, and I think that with veganism, we just do that already. We have to, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that makes us much stronger, and then yeah. one of the challenges becomes how far do we go in terms of our partnerships? Like there's like this Beyond Burger at Burger King, for example, right. which I think is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But in the vegan world, right. there's all kinds of... I have mixed feelings about it. I have mixed feelings about it. But I didn't mean to cut you off. No, we were talking about partnership. No, no, no. Like, it's, you know, well, it's just sort of opening up this thing yeah. of these areas of partnership, right? Yeah. Like with yeah. Burger King. Right. And um, they have, I think, contributed to great harm over the years. Mm -hmm. And now they may be part of a solution. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is great in some sense, but it is, isn't simple, right? right? There's these other aspects, you know, cause they still are selling Coke there with a lot of sugar in it right. or maybe Pepsi. I don't know if they do, but yeah. And then, and the other things that they, you know, still the meat and, and dairy, it, but yes, it's, it's an interesting thing because inevitably veganism was going to get here. Right. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. I, think I mean, so. we've been in it 30 plus years. We've been working towards it becoming um, more popular, growing exponentially. And this is a part of that, right? Yes. Um, people have been specifically pushing to get it into these kinds of places yeah. to um, make it convenient for more people. Very true. So we're here. And so how do we, you know, how do we feel about it? Right. Yeah, I, and, 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 and I think in the movement there are, are mixed feelings, right? Yeah. There's sort of the, the purists, right, mm -hmm. that would say that you can't work with these big companies. And then there's pragmatists mm -hmm. who would say that, yeah, every step in this direction is positive. And I tend to lean in that direction personally, mm -hmm. while also acknowledging that it's imperfect.
Yeah. And that, but it, that it is a step. It is a step. I Yeah, I do have mixed feelings about it. I mean, on the one hand, I know that it's, you know, folks are going to, who go to Burger King and who go to other places where Beyond Burger and Impossible Burger are going to be, are going to try it, right? But on the other hand, it's also cooked on this. It's not something I would do because it's, I don't go to those places, but also it's probably going to be cooked on the same grill. Yep, you know, I think that's right. There, and it might still have cheese on it. It might still have dairy mayo. So there, you know, there are ways that it can be an issue for folks. Right? Yeah, and I think they will microwave it, so they'll get oh, it off okay. the, the and they'll deal? do it without the mayo too. So okay. I believe that they could do it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, and they probably already are. I'm sure people have already asked them about that. I think yeah. in some instances mm-hmm. they do, yes. And um, but you know, I think that you know w- when you become sort of mainstream and institutionalized, mm-hmm. you know, I think then you also have the mass production pea protein. You have companies like Cargill, for instance, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily have the greatest track record right. on issues of you know environmental sustainability and so on mm-hmm. that are now going to potentially plug into this. And, you know, Tyson Foods is even coming up with theirs. Right. So, I mean, and I think if they're going to be doing plant proteins instead of animal proteins, that is certainly a good thing. Sure. But it's still this industrial production model. Exactly. There's still sort of an extractive mindset. Exactly. And how do we get beyond that? And, I, th- you know, I think that we in the vegan food world have kind of a bimodal thing now where you have the industrial mm-hmm. plant-based food, which in some cases is potentially going to reach people that may not otherwise have access like mm-hmm. at a burger king getting an impossible burger you know there might be some neighborhoods where there aren't too many options mm-hmm. uh to find healthy whole plant foods which right. is really the ideal right which that is not but it's healthier right? healthier 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 and it's a step and so there might be just this stage that we're in with this industrialization you know and then we might move more towards people eating um, more whole plant-based foods or cooking more from home. But I mean, I, yeah, I just think that this is just, this was just inevitable. It was going to be, it was going to happen this way. And we're just kind of seeing the first wave of that. And it's ultimately a good thing. Ultimately. Yeah, ultimately, ultimately for the animals, it is a good thing. Yes. 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 But I for mean, health, not so great. Necessary. It's I mean, less bad, but not great. Right, exactly. Uh, that's, that's where... That's the complexity of it. That's the, you know, the and to of it, right? And, and what gets me yeah. very excited is the idea of, like, urban farms and, yes. you know, food not lawns, people, yes. you know, starting to grow food, potentially even, you know, in urban areas mm-hmm. that would then be, you know, talk about, you know, local, right? right? And, and But also part of it could have to do with um, reconnecting with and understanding that you can eat mustard greens. And there are certain things in the neighborhood you can eat. Exactly. As long as Dandelion you're not spr- greens. Dandelion yes, greens. my favorite. Mm-hmm. And, and people go to these, you know, fancy health food stores. They spend a lot of money exactly. for dandelion <laughs> greens. <laughs> and sometimes they're growing right on the ground. Right. If you know that they're there and you can eat them. Right. They're not sprayed and, and things like that. It's true. So you you were talking about urban farming, right? And so to, and um, growing food locally, um just finding out what's available and what you can plant, you know, yourself and, and hopefully cooking more from scratch. I think that is something to promote, to continue to promote, right? And to do more of. And of course, that's a long movement that's been going on. And whether we focus on veganism and organic food, 
right? I mean, a lot of times um, folks are just saying as long as it's vegan, it's help, you know, it, it, it helps um, to save animals' lives, and so that's enough. And it's important, but I don't think it has to stop there, you know? We can talk about all of these other issues um, that are that are complementary, you know, that are just as important. While we have to talk about organic food and organic farming, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, they're they're aligned. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And the vegan movement has, to some extent, really focused on not hurting non-human animals, mm -hmm. and that's important. And there are other things also that are important. Mm -hmm. You know, I completely agree with that, and I think. That the vegan movement is at a kind of time now of expanding its perspective, yeah. you know, beyond just how we treat non-human animals, especially the animals that are killed for food, which are by far the largest number. Right. Um, but but there's also impacts on people that work in slaughterhouses, people that n live near these places, people that are eating food that's making that, that's making them sick, and mm -hmm. and I think systemic reforms like we've kind of talked a little bit about and the possibilities of changing our food system where we change our government subsidies away from continuing to incentivize too many processed foods and animal foods and, and a food system that is incredibly wasteful and inefficient, you mm -hmm. know, to produce so much corn and soy to feed farm to feed animals. Exactly. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And so these are the big systemic issues right. that, you know, are, economic, ecological, uh, land access issues, mm -hmm. um, uh, government support program issues, uh, and, and how do we create a food system and a government programs that enable a food system that really serves mm -hmm. our population. Exactly. Um, and that's, you know, I think where there's more discussion now. You know, I think the vegan food in fast food restaurants, while not perfect, it's a very positive step in our current system, you know, and uh, hopefully will lead to more normalizing of the idea of eating plants instead of animals. And yeah. then there will be all kinds of new opportunities and um, to reach people locally, but also, you know, nationwide and even globally, hopefully, because mm -hmm. this is an international system of our, our, yes. our food system is international Absolutely. right now. Yeah. And, and I don't know how we quite get at that, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but um, it, it's part of, you know, the whole mindset of extraction, I think. Yeah. And, and fortunately there are, there are places that are, there are vegan movements all over the world as, as, as we know, and some that are much farther along and more robust than we have here. That's very true. Yeah. And so that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And wellness too, like in Costa Rica, I think there's some wellness stuff happening, mm -hmm. but I think we're getting close to the end of our time here. So, no, it, it's so fun talking to you about all yeah. these thoughts and dreams and possibilities, and um, I'm Absolutely. very excited about your and nonprofit. Thank you. And yes. you and I actually do talk about these things, so um, this is to be continued for us as well, so hopefully you will be seeing some of these things that we're talking about coming to light, you know, in our partnership together. Absolutely. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yep. Love working with you. You too. Good talking to you. Thank you for listening. That's it for us this week. And special thanks to Oceana, who gave us space to record this episode in their Washington, D.C. office. This episode was edited by our producer, Preston Whitworth. Shalina Omar is our digital director, and Andre Tidwell is the production assistant. All of our music was composed by David Mueller. And I'm the executive producer and your host, Sandy Sear. 
This show is a listener-supported project of the Philanthropy Journal. You can find show notes and access previous episodes at philanthropyjournal.org. And don't forget, if you can, volunteer for a local 5K race, read a book about composting, and give our show a positive review wherever you listen to podcasts. 